our last conversation. John 13 through 17. Um, some of y'all have heard this um, all the way through. Some of y'all, middle schoolers, y'all been in and out. Um, we're getting in on the end of 15 and middle of 16 tonight. We'll finish it out. This last conversation Jesus had with his disciples. At this point in the story, uh, not story per se, but this point in the discussion, Judas has already left. The eleven remain, and they're discussing. And this is the last time that our Lord will have this conversation with them in this physical form. When he comes back, he'll be in a spiritual form, and he would have a different mission, a different purpose. So tonight has come basically the Holy Spirit part two. He talks about the Holy Spirit once, and then he comes back around to it. But this time it has a different purpose, because if you remember last week, we talked about how the world will hate you, or hate because of our Christian values, and because they hate Christ. Well, he follows along with that, with finishing up about the Holy Spirit, explaining what are go- what's going to be the difference with us. Before I do, one question I want you to realize and ask yourself as I was kind of watching us kind of worship and just kind of watching us before Wednesday night. Why are you here? Ask that question. Why, why are you here? Why, why do you want to say that I am a Christian? When we say the word Christian, it means little Christ, to be one who is little Christ. Why do you want to say that you show Christ in your actions? And the reason I'm asking that question is some of you just are here because your parents have asked you. Some of you are here on your own accord, and I get that. And some of you are here because you're trying to figure things out. But if you claim the name of Christ, there needs to be a difference in your life. And this is what, the Holy, this is, uh, this is what Jesus is talking about in this last conversation. And guys, right now, when the world sees the church, when the world sees Christian teenagers, they see the same thing that the world is producing. I think we have to be very cautious. And don't let the world be telling you the way that you should be acting and behaving. So the counselors or the Holy Spirit's ministry is where we're going to talk tonight. So he just finished up about why the world is going to hate us. So this is where this but comes in. Because he's basically saying, and If they hate me, they're going to hate you, so be prepared. But, 
And my English teacher in high school used to say, is it a good butt or a bad butt? This is a good butt. Okay. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, and he will bear what? About me. And you also will bear, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Remember, he's going back to what he just talked about. Remember, the world's going to hate you. Not only is the world going to hate you, the religious people are going to hate you. That's what he's saying. See, religion hates true Christianity. Because Christianity is not a religion. I know that's kind of a hard thing for you to understand. It's a relationship, and it's not to be all this. When we live it in a correct way, it's not about all this religious things that the synagogues and the things we're doing. It's about understanding the truth of the word. So they're going to keep you from the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And that's true, the Romans did. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you have asked, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the will not come to you. But, good but, if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes... He will, the world concerning, and, and, concerning sin, because they do not believe in, concerning righteousness, because I go to the, and you will no longer see me, no longer, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is, and the ruler of the world is the devil. I still have many things to say to you, but I can't bear them now. You can hear the emotion in his voice right here. He's cracking a little bit. And the reason I say that is because when you read the words of Christ, many of you read the emotion out of it. You have to be careful with that. We do not worship an emotionless God. Other religions do, but we do not. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will you into all the... For He will not on His own 
But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you these things that will come, that are to come. He will me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. For all the Father has is, therefore I have said that he will take what is and declare it to you. Okay, so a lot of stuff here. A lot of stuff's going on because we're getting to the end. And he knows when this conversation's over, he knows what is waiting for him at the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows what's waiting for him at the end of the night. So a lot's going on, so he's trying to make sure they understand some stuff. So one of the things he wanted them to understand is the role of the Holy Spirit. But not just the role of the Holy Spirit, which he's already discussed, but he wants them to understand the role of the Holy Spirit's ministry. So the Holy Spirit will be three things. I normally do two because of time restraints, but I had to do three because the passage speaks of three, and I try not to break up the passage too much. The Holy Spirit will first... We see 1526 through 164a will be a witness. Will be a witness. The helper here that's mentioned is who? The Holy Spirit. So the helper is the Holy Spirit. The helper is the Holy Spirit. So let me explain what's kind of going on. So why is, the, uh, why is the Holy Spirit will be a witness? Well, let's understand this. Whom I will send indicates the Holy Spirit and will come in a new power to the world in obedience to God, the Son. But who proceeds from the Father indicates that the Holy Spirit will also come in obedience to the direction of God, the Father. Both the Father and the Son will send the Holy Spirit to the world and a new fullness that we'll see here at Pentecost. But there's a conviction going on here. He's letting them know that the Holy Spirit work, it will be silent and invisible. And notice that he does not call the Holy Spirit an it, but he. It's a masculine, personal. And he will bear witness about me, reminds the believers that he will bear witness about Christ through the Holy Spirit's work. He's saying, hey, I'm going to have a witness. Why? Because there's going to be stuff that's going on. There's going to be stuff that's happening to you. There's going to be people in my name that will kill you. There's going to be people in the name of, the, uh, of God that will kill you in the synagogues. There's going to be people who are coming and they're going to harm you thinking they're doing service to you. Oh, Ken, that's not going to happen. Yes, it is. Acts. Don't forget about Acts. Acts chapter 7. We have who? We have Paul. And who does he oversee the killing of? Stephen. Then we have Acts chapter 8. He's going, but praise God for Acts chapter 9. He meets Jesus on the Damascus Road. He's completely changed. 
they're going to come and I'm going to witness. And how is the Holy Spirit going to... He says, they're going to come and I'm going to send a witness. How will the Spirit witness? He will witness in several ways. He will witness through silent and invisible. They will see the Holy Spirit in you. They will see the power through you. The Holy Spirit is not like Christ and not like the Father where He, where he, where he speaks to us, but He's working within us. The Bible is very clear when we begin to gather, the power of the Holy Spirit is in multiplied because there are other believers in. And I'm going to pause real quick and I'm going to tell you all something. Because I'm seeing three or two people doing this. There are time and place to make paper products and pens and throwing. And there's time and place not. And this is not the time nor the place. I've said it, we're done. So, the believers may think the opposition means that God opposes them, but Jesus emphasizes that the persecution should be expected. He's telling telling the disciples, when you go and do the right, people who claim to know God, they're going to be persecuting you, and you're going to get a little nervous, and you're going to think, oh no, I'm doing this wrong. But really, you're doing it right. And let me just tell you today, guys, that, that's still going on. Because, see, you have the very, very, very conservative Christians who are borderlining over here and sometimes are on legalism. And then you have the other ones way, 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 way over here who are way too free. And we will borderline call them, or they are, what, liberals. Then you have here really more in the middle where you should be That's looking at the Bible telling you. Here's the deal. Being too far this way or too far that way, I question where they stand. Because on this too far this way says that that the Bible has error and they don't believe, but where's your standard? And we should not be telling people about sin. Um, Show me that in the Word. Then on this side, way over here, says, you got to obey this rule, this rule, this rule, this rule, this rule, this rule. We believe the Word of God. Well, if you do, then show me where all these rules are. They don't exist. They're in your traditions. Sounds like something that begins with fair and ends with C. Pharisees. That's what they did. They weren't people who were bad. They thought they were doing good. They thought they were doing right. They thought they were doing righteous. Because they were hung up on their laws and not what the Word said. So he says, my spirit will witness and be witness during all this. And my spirit will tell you which way you should go. Number two, he'll be a counselor. A counselor here that talks about from 16.4b through 11a, and that was my fault to put the a. Counselor means a legal or a court counselor. It means one who gives legal advice. He'll be my counselor. He'll be the one that, that, that will be my mediator between us. Remember what the Bible says when we pray? Who interprets our prayers for us? It says who? The Holy Spirit. So who interprets our prayers to God? 
Holy Spirit. So who interprets our prayers to God? Why do you keep repeating it, Kent? Because you don't, some of us don't know common theology. It is our, it's the Holy Spirit that interprets our prayers to the Father. He's that mediator between us and the judge. Well, I thought that's Jesus. It is Jesus when it comes to salvation. But then it is the Holy Spirit that's doing it for the whole Christian life. Okay, so verse 8, we're going to do a little fill in the blank here you have right there, okay? On verse 8, right there on 2. He will convict the world, he will convict the world, gives hope that many are in the world and currently opposed to Jesus, will not be a part of the world forever uh, forever of their sins, forever, but will repent of their sins and believe in Christ. The Holy Spirit will convict, like a counselor, the world and gives hope that many who are in the world, currently who are opposed to Jesus, will not be a part of the world forever. In other words, he's saying... I'm going to have a counselor who comes in and opens up to people. And they, he's going to convict people who have turned their back to me, but they won't turn their back to him. And they might be against me now, but when the power of the Holy Spirit will come, it will come. But another thing that he's going to say is because the power of the Holy Spirit will come, there will no longer... In, in God's eyes, be Jew and non-Jew. Gentiles, who were people who were not Jewish faith, will now be able to come freely to the Father. This is new. This is weird. So, it is, and, and let's look at verse 7 here. When Jesus says, it's, my, it's to my advantage that I go away. Now think about that. Jesus Christ says, it's an advantage that I go away. Go figure that out. What? What does that mean? This is because Jesus, while here on earth, he could only be one place at one time because he, he made himself into the human dimensions. But the Holy Spirit will carry on Jesus' ministry over the entire world at all times. In addition, in God's sovereign plan for the unfolding history, the Holy Spirit will not, would not come in the new covenant power and fullness. He will not just come in with new power and fullness until Jesus returned to heaven. And we see that because Jesus says, hey, it's better for me to go. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is going to do things that you haven't seen yet. And what happens in Acts chapter 2? We immediately see the, th the damage that happened at the Tower of Babel because man tried to become God. But when God came to man, the tongues were open. The tongues were closed when man tried to go to God. But when the Lord came to man, the tongues were open and there was no longer an obstacle anymore for people to hear the word. 
all of a sudden it says, all of a sudden they were hearing them in their own language. Have any of y'all ever been to another country before? I have. So I've been to other countries and where obviously English was not the dominant language. You want to feel nervous. You want to feel lost. You want to feel like you're about this stupid and kick yourself for not paying attention more in class. You go to another country, especially I've been to Spanish-speaking countries, I've been to Dutch-speaking countries, and I've been to Swahili-speaking countries. And you feel about that tall because all of a sudden people are talking to you. And you have to have a translator. Imagine having the message but not understanding it. But he has freed that and freed that forever. Okay, lastly, lastly, the Holy Spirit's a guide. A guide. A guide in this translation of the Greek here means one who leads an uncharted territory. One who leads an uncharted territory. A guide in the Greek here means one who leads an uncharted territory. Always like this, okay? I, I like guides. Every time I think about a guide, um, I'm a big 80s movie fan. Always have been, always will be. And whenever time I think about a guide, I think about Crocodile Dundee, okay? I don't know if y'all have ever seen it. He's on Netflix sometimes. C1, C2, never C3. Um, they're about to come out with the fourth one. They said he's trying to do back to the fans. This is what I have to say. You're old. You're 85. It's time to give it up. Uh, he's really, he's like 82, 83. Paul Hogan, it's time to stop. <laughs> okay. But Crocodile Dundee, Mick Dundee, they go into the outback and he wrestles crocodiles and all that. That's what I think of these uncharted territories that he's taking and he's taking us to this guide. Because without a guide, listen to this, without a guide, the wilderness landscape are often seemingly devoid of reality. When you ponder this image of the Spirit, remember the significance of a guide in an unknown territory. This is where the disciples were heading as Jesus was departing. I want you to remind yourself, what does this mean? Is That means without a guide in an area we have never known. Without a guide who does not lead us. We are lost. But when a guide understands the direction, even if it's uncharted, but knows the area and knows the wilderness, they're very valuable. I love studying things. I just... I has always enjoyed studying stuff. I'm a big studier. And a, a few months ago, I really got into studying Mount Everest and uh, studying Sharpays. Uh, they are the guides who lead you up to the mountains, okay? And I like reading about the people who have tried and died and some of the people who have tried. And they, I mean, some of the people who have passed, they actually now use them as markers about how far because they can't do anything with the... It, it's, 
it's really weird when you read, but this one Sharpie got like, like this big medal because he's been up to Mount Everest like nine, 900 times. Just going up because it's nothing to him because they're born up in the air and it's nothing to him. And that's what I think. I think of this guide who will lead us to something that, because every trip, the sharpest says it's very different because the snow, the storms are always changing. But I know the territory, but the landscape is different. The landscape, I don't know exactly, but I know the territory. And this is where the Holy Spirit is leading us. He guides us because the disciples are about to go somewhere they didn't understand, but they had a guide along the way. Now, significantly, the words here that are used are used very similar to the Hebrew words that are used in Exodus. When God, they're very similar, when God leads his people, the Israelites, out of Egypt, into the desert. Remember what happened? At day, he was a what? Remember? And at night, he was something else. And he was a... All right, at night, he was a cloud. He was a, he was a billow fire, a cloud of fire. And at night, he was a basically like a dust storm, a hurricane. The same exact words for guide, Aramaically in Greek, we're trying to use here to give the people an understanding that the Holy Spirit is going to do the exact same thing that God did for the Israelites and guide them to and go back to the promised land. And that promised land for us is back to God. I'm very careful to just say heaven. Because when y'all see heaven, y'all see heaven as a destination. But that's not the destination. The destination is eternity with God. Not just a place. But that's what the Holy Spirit is guiding us back is to our promised land. Back to the Father. So that's what's going on. And he says, this is my roles. This is, this is the ministry roles in which he's going to do. He's going to be a witness. He's going to be a counselor, a mediator, and he's going to be a guide that will lead you back to the promised land just as God led back your forefathers, the Israelites, back to this promised land. I'm using the same words. Why? Coincidence? I think not. He's, not, he's doing that to hit their minds. They knew to say this. To ask this question. Do you trust me? That's what Jesus is asking his disciples right now. If you trust me, will you trust him? Do you follow me? Why? Do you trust me? And if you trust me, you'll trust what the Holy Spirit is about to do. Because that's going to lead us into next week when we talk about Jesus is going to talk about, if you already heard, he says they're being sorrowful in their hearts. They're realizing that their leader is disappearing and it's doing something in their heart. And he's going to talk about how your sorrow will turn into joy. Let's pray. Holy Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. And we ask right now that you'll begin to speak to us.
And Father, let us understand that. Although this is something that's not spoke a lot in churches, especially Baptists. But Father, we are not to ever neglect your word and who you are in your word. Father, I know that some might be convicted tonight. And I pray, Father, that they will come and talk to me or Drew. Father, we ask right now, Lord, that you will use us in all that we do. That we will be salt and light to this city in your name. Amen. Stand and worship with us. If you need to pray with someone, if you need to talk to someone, myself and Drew are back here and we'd love to speak to you.